Well, good morning once more, and thanks for tuning in, River City, and anybody uh, on the live stream. Uh, we're glad to have you here. My name is Charlie Hogstead. I'm one of the elders here at the church. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, thankful for the mothers out there who love and nurture their kids. Uh, we've had a lot of newborns uh, over the past uh, few weeks, few months. Uh, Nathan and Marissa Jensen, they had little Howie. Uh, Michael and Allison Vetter, they had uh, Francis, a.k.a. Frankie. Uh, Brandon and Kayla Larsa, Larson, uh, they had twins, uh, so let's pray for them. Uh, they had little Emmy and Everett. Uh, John and Liz Grandin, uh, they had Amos. Jake and Nicole Thorson uh, had Abby. Uh, Matt and Christy Simmons had Gabe. Uh, if I missed anybody, I apologize, but you can throw it out in the comments and, and we can celebrate together, we can pray together, and we can remember our mothers uh, whom we're very thankful for. Uh, whether you're a new mom, whether you've uh, been there, done that a few times, mom, uh, whether you're a grandmother, uh, we remember those also who long to be a mom, but for a variety of reasons have not been able to have a child. But no matter where you are on that spectrum, uh, we are highlighting that patient, that kind, that nurturing love uh, that mothers give to their kids. And this flows from our father who nurtures and nourishes and loves his children. He patiently cares for us. He provides for us. He teaches us. He comforts us. And Isaiah 66 uh, verse 13 talks about a God who promises his people that he will comfort them as a mother comforts a child. And one day we're going to be in his very presence where we will experience that comfort directly from him in full. But even now, remember that he is near to us. He knows us. He has done everything necessary to meet our deepest needs of acceptance and love and identity and care. And so as we celebrate our moms today, the best thing we can do is to point them back to the nurturing, patient, kind, caring love of their Savior. And out of that, They'll find the strength and the endurance and the patience to continue nurturing and nourishing their kids. And so, happy Mother's Day. Make sure you take advantage of 20 Below Coffee uh, this week. Get there tomorrow. Get there on Tuesday. Get some coffee. Get a treat. And remember that it's your Father who provides for you and cares for you in every way. So let's pray as we get started. Then we're going to dive into uh, the Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> Father, first we're thankful for you and your patient, nurturing, kind love to us as your children. Father, we confess that, that we uh, are, are far from obedient all the time. Lord God, we need your, your patient grace and mercy upon us, and Father, you are faithful to provide. Your love is steadfast. Your hand protects us. Your spirit guides us. Your word empowers and strengthens us. And so, Father, we give you thanks this morning for that. We pray for all of our moms at River City. We pray that you give them that same kind of patient, enduring love for their children. Father, we pray for the moms uh, out there who are, are struggling right now, who are uh, feeling like they're at the end of their rope, Lord God. Would you, would you give them new strength? Would you give them new encouragement? Would you renew uh, their faith and trust in you? Lord God, we also pray for those who long to be mothers, Lord God. We pray that as they patiently wait and endure, they could find comfort in being your child, being cared for by you so fully and so deeply. But now as we dive into your word, Lord God, we submit that this is your word. This is not ours. We trust you. We trust that as we come to your word, we're going to hear what you have for us, and it's going to impact our hearts and our lives. And so we ask for that today. Holy Spirit, will you change us and transform us in this time even now? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to continue our series in Luke's Gospel this morning. You can turn to the end of chapter 6. 
where we will study verses 46 through 49. Luke 6, verses 46 through 39. I'm sorry, through 49. And as you turn there, I want to uh, have you imagine with me for a moment that you are in a classroom. Now, this could be any classroom, um, and imagine there are about 30 kids in this classroom who are just going crazy. Uh, They're yelling, they're screaming, they're throwing stuff, they're running all over the place, and you are the teacher who is standing at the front of the classroom. Now, it's Friday, it's about 2.15 in the afternoon, you're exhausted, but eventually you finally get the kids to settle down in their desks, and though you feel the temptation to just blow up and let them have it, you remain calm, you dig deep, and from the bottom of your heart, you express your love for them as a teacher. You lay out for them what proper classroom behavior looks like. And you're not angry, but you're passionately shaping them into students who are actually going to learn something in your classroom. And as you do that, the kids actually seem to respond. They're, they're nodding along with you. Uh, they're making eye contact with you. They're asking great questions And as the bell rings, they get up, they get their backpacks, and as they leave, a few of them stop by and they give you a hug and they tell you that they're thankful that you're their teacher. And so you go home that weekend, you wake up on Monday morning, and you don't hit the snooze button, but you get up right away, you pound your protein shake, and you crush that container as you throw it in the garbage. You put a little bit of extra French vanilla in your coffee that morning just as a a reward because you're such a boss. And so you get to your classroom, you tidy up, and you're excited for this fresh start with your kids. Then 8 o'clock rolls around, they run in the door like bulls in china shops, and it's like Red Bull was on sale that weekend, and they had a couple of them for breakfast, and they're actually worse than they were on Friday afternoon. It's like they'd never heard a thing that you'd said. So what would be the most frustrating part of that for you? We don't like it when we're given lip service because it's a reality check that we might not be as influential or as authoritative as we might think. But we, we give lip service to Jesus when we are busy building our own kingdom, where we are our own authority. And we can become content with a surface-level understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And that leads to a difference between what we say with our mouths and how we live our lives. And we will see that this will expose us to significant damage amidst life's trials. But there's hope for us in that Jesus, he always expressed perfect trust in his Father, both with his words and in his life. And not only that, but he stood in our place on the cross so that we could stand before God. He took the flood of God's judgment upon himself so we could be washed clean and we could stand strong amidst affliction and pain. And so in Christ, we dig deep into what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. We come to Christ, we hear what he has to say, and then we do what he says. So let's read the passage from Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus says to the disciples and to the crowd, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Amen. 
So in, in Judaism, there were rabbis who were teachers, and their teaching format was not like ours, nine months of Monday through Friday, and then you get three months off. But rather, they taught their students all day, every day. And like many theologians today, these rabbis would have been known for different things, whether it be their interpretation of scripture or how they applied it to life, so on and so forth. And so these rabbis would live life together with their disciples, and then their disciples' lives would be shaped by their rabbi's teaching. And so in this passage, Jesus is the disciples' rabbi, and he's finishing up his content where he outlined what it looked like to live as a citizen of his kingdom in practice. And his teaching was much different than that of other rabbis, as we've studied already. Blessed are the poor, the hungry, those who weep, those who are hated for my name's sake. He tells his disciples to love their enemies, to offer the other cheek, to give to those who beg of you. These teachings describe a lifestyle of living as a citizen in Jesus' kingdom, what it looked like to live with him under his rule and his reign. And as he's finishing up his teaching, he's using a, a parable to warn them of what happens should they fail to act upon their rabbi's words. He's telling them to come to him, to listen to him, and to do what he says. And so that's going to be our three points for this morning. So first, we're going to talk about come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. We're going to look at verses 46 and 47. So Jesus asked this question in 46, and he's not expecting an answer, but he's really exposing something in his disciples and in the crowd and in us. And it's this tendency to give lip service to those who are in authority or, or to those who call Jesus Lord. He's, he asks, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So in our brokenness, we will go so far as to acknowledge someone's authority with our mouths but in our hearts and in our lives, we will question their words, we will fail to submit to their will, and we will not come under their authority. In elementary school, when the teacher left the room, uh, usually the rules just followed right with them. And when we are busy building our own kingdoms, where we make the rules, where we get what we want, and where we expect our subjects to serve us, we're going to give lip service uh, to Jesus. Whereas we are often surprised when people give us lip service, Jesus isn't, because he knows the heart of man. And as a good teacher would, he addresses that tendency with his students, and then he addresses that with us as well. And so now look at verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will tell you what he is like. And so let's talk about coming to Jesus. Why do we come to Christ? Why were the crowds there? Why did the disciples drop everything and uproot their lives to follow this rabbi? We know that many in the crowd, they needed healing. They were hungry, so they went to Jesus. We know from earlier in the Gospel of Luke that uh, Jesus called his disciples and he filled Peter's net and showed his power over creation. So they followed him. But why do we come to Jesus? In a world that is filled with teachers on every subject and any piece of information is as simple as a Google search why do we go to him? First, as beings made in God's image, we all desire purpose, we all desire meaning, we all desire identity, and we just can't, we can't stop processing. Our minds are always going because we desire understanding. In fact, I'll go so far as to say we are addicted to understanding. We struggle to wrap our minds around different elements of life, but we can't stop doing it. That's why there's an editorial page in the newspaper. That's why talking heads on TV just yell at each other back and forth. 
and we are willing to listen to just about anything as long as we like what's being said. And so Paul warns his student Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verses 3 and 4 about this tendency for us to seek meaning and to seek uh, understanding in various places. He says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And so as we're preoccupied with building our own kingdoms, we will seek out teaching that scratches our itching ears, that doesn't challenge us or convicts us, but rather it affirms us as the ultimate authority and truth. We're going to put up with God's word until it starts to mess with our passions and our priorities. And so we're going to accumulate, we're going to, we're going to gather for ourselves teachers that inflame our own passions and shape our own desires away from God and his kingdom. In the pursuit of our understanding, we're going to go to experts on a given topic. If I want to learn physics, I'll read Einstein. If I want to be a better manager of my finances, I'll read Dave Ramsey. If I want to be an expert on COVID-19, I will read Facebook. But we come to Jesus because in him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. John 14, 6, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And if we want to be upright citizens in the kingdom of God, we go to Jesus because he is our expert. In him are found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Second, I think another reason we go to Jesus is when we stop building our own kingdoms, we see that we're not king, but rather he is. And I believe that's the ultimate reason why we go to him. He is Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, Paul says. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. We come to Christ because he is the expert on living as a citizen of God's kingdom and because he is Lord of that kingdom. He has transferred us from the dominion of darkness, but that dominion, that domain, it still seeks to shape us and to form us into something. It is telling us constantly, whether we know it or not, that we've got a kingdom to build. We've got an identity to fashion. We've got meaning to make. And so, in that, we're going to pursue teaching that helps us to do just those things. And so, as we think about application here, where are, are you seeking to get your itching ears scratched? Where are you content with teachers who do not challenge your kingdom, but rather they try to help you build it? Who, apart from Christ, is most influential over you in your life and why? May we, as God's children, not be content with a surface-level understanding of who Jesus is, giving lip service to him, but rather coming to him as Lord, committing to being his student, seeing him as our teacher and our rabbi, our expert on everything pertaining to the worship of God. We, uh, we acknowledge Jesus as Lord of all, and we come to him to learn how to live life as a citizen of his kingdom. But what's Jesus teaching? about himself? What's he teaching about his kingdom? What's he teaching about us? Our second point this morning is we hear Jesus's words. 
We hear Jesus' words. And I think it's amazing that as humans, we have this capacity for hearing without listening. And so if you're a parent or a spouse, you've probably considered that. You might be looking me right in the eye. You might be telling me something very important. And my eardrums might be reverberating as they're designed to do, but that's where it stops. We're always seeking out meaning and understanding. But at the same time, we're always wanting to be heard and to be understood. So imagine you're teaching again. You just taught your students a lesson. You nailed all your points. You used awesome analogies and illustrations. Then you grade the tests afterward and you find out that everybody failed. When we're busy building our own kingdoms, our ears, they might work just fine, but we we still have a hard time listening. We're more concerned about being heard than hearing, than listening to our Lord Jesus. And so if we were to listen, if we were to pay attention to what Jesus is saying, what's he teaching? What's he telling the crowds? What's he telling his disciples? And what's he telling us? What does he want to get past our eardrums and to be absorbed into the heart, the teachings, the truths that are going to shape us and form us into citizens of his kingdom? What he's teaching is vastly different than the things that we are used to hearing. What we're surrounded by all the time and in every place is this constant teaching that we are good enough, that we have all we need inside of us to accomplish our dreams, to have the good life, to reach self-actualization, if you remember your middle school social studies classes. But has anybody ever really been truly self-actualized? Has anyone become the best version of themselves? What Jesus is saying to his disciples in this teaching and elsewhere is that he has come to the spiritually sick. He has come to the poor in spirit, to the hungry and the thirsty. He has come to those who know that they need him. And the essence of his teaching is this. He's saying, trust me. Don't trust yourself, but trust me. Love God and love others. That's what it means to fulfill God's law. Don't love yourself. That's the essence of breaking God's law. Don't build your own kingdom, but by faith become a citizen of mine. Live with me and live like me. But oftentimes we miss that. Sometimes our our ears are going to perk up more at the latest quote that's floating around social media from the the self-help guru. If someone tells you that your dream is worth fighting for, isn't that just the same as saying keep building your kingdom? Rather, we need to do We need to let our eardrums do what they do best. Listen and absorb the truths that tell us not to try to be the best version of ourselves, but to remember that Jesus has made us completely new in every way. His death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. Your old heart that was made of stone that wouldn't listen, that his word just bounced right off of, is gone. It's been removed. And now you have this heart of flesh that listens. You have the Holy Spirit who lives in you, who comforts you, who reminds you of who you have been made to be by faith. Jesus lives in us by his Spirit, who guides us in all truth, who reminds us of who we are, and who helps us to pay attention in class. So we study the Word of God to hear him, to listen to him, to pay attention to what he is saying to us as his beloved kids And we expect that when we come to the scriptures with that attitude, that we will have the ears to hear. And what you hear is not going to stop at your eardrums. It's going to penetrate deep down into this new, soft heart of flesh that you've been given by faith.
And so don't simply fight just to be heard, but come to Christ ready to dig deep into what he's actually saying about himself and about his kingdom and about you. Do not be content with the latest surface-level self-help book, but remember what Jesus has done to make you completely new. We come to Christ, we hear his words, and then lastly this morning, we do what he says. We do what Jesus says. So in the spring of 2009, um, I, I... came closer than I'd like to, uh, to dying. Um, we were in the midst of a 500-year flood at the time, and uh, some guys uh, from church and I, we went out to help sandbag, and we found ourselves uh, in North Moorhead uh, on a particular block where there was only one house left that was trying to fight back the water. And so we walked around the back of the house, and we descended down into this uh, dugout patio area, uh, which served as a base for about a 10 to 12-foot tall sandbag wall, which was just high enough to keep the water from coming over it. And so I still get the chills uh, when I think about that because had that wall given out, there were 10 or 15 of us down below the wall still trying to reinforce it. If that wall had given out, uh, all 10 or 15 of us would have had no chance of escaping the thousands of pounds of sand and the trillions of uh, gallons of water that were flowing uh, north right past that house. And so if you want to build a good sandbag wall, I had talked to some of my engineering friends here at River City. Um, I would not necessarily uh, employ the owners of this particular house because it's amazing that this wall stood as long as it did considering the forces that were acting upon it. And so let's look again at verse 47. We're going to go through 49 and continue studying what Jesus has for us as as his citizens. It says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it or could not stand it uh, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And so those who come to Christ as Lord, who hear his teaching about his kingdom, his reign, and who we are as his citizens, this parable is saying that we are going to stand firm when the rain falls and the rivers rage and they seek to wash you away. In other words, you're going to know that you're actually hearing what Jesus has to say when you stand firm in the midst of affliction, when you hold fast to him, knowing that he's holding fast to you. See, when, when you have these teachers who try to scratch your itching ears, and when you take in their teaching about trying just to be a, a better version of yourself, that's not going to stand up in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of depression, in the midst of devastation that we all face in this life. The teaching and the teachers are exposed for their lack of depth. If you're told that you're all you need to be happy and successful, then what do you do when you're not happy and you're not successful? If you're told to be a better version of yourself, what do you do if you don't even like yourself? This kind of teaching is not going to stand up to the harsh realities of this broken world. And if you believe it or not, this house in Moorhead actually held up against the flood. But it did not hold up against the city who decided to buy it out and to tear it down. All of that work risking our lives, sweating, throwing sandbags, 
ultimately for nothing. Because living that close to the water with poor foundations means that it's not going to be long before it gets washed away one way or the other. Rather, when we hear Jesus' teaching, we act on it. And we find that we will stand in the midst of trials and affliction. James tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Faith by itself does not have works, is dead. And James goes on, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. We can know that we have actually heard Jesus when we start to live like him. When our lives reflect his life, our thoughts reflect his thoughts, our decisions reflect his decisions. And these things are all affirmations that we've truly believed that we have saving faith in Christ Jesus. And then when those waves come, when the, when the stream breaks out, when it's right up against that wall and when it's ready to topple over, we stand firm because we're holding fast to who we are in Christ, who he has made us to be, the kingdom we are citizens of, and we stand. So we come to Christ, we hear his words, and we do what he says. But what does that look like? What does that mean for us today? It means that like the man in this parable building the house, we dig deep. We dig deep and build the foundation of our lives, our identity, our meaning, our purpose upon Jesus' teaching. We come to him, his Lord, we hear his words, we do what he says, and we remember that Jesus never had itching ears. He was never taken captive by human teaching or human traditions. He never gave lip service to his father, but rather in every way submitted perfectly to his will. He perfectly embodied the law, fulfilling it on our behalf, always living as an upright citizen of God's kingdom. And not only that, Jesus stood in our place so that we could stand before God. Jesus took the flood of God's wrath upon himself so that we could be washed clean. We can stand strong by faith amidst life's trials. He is the teacher who died for his students, the rowdy, disobedient kids that we are. And so we dig deep by remembering that Jesus is Lord, that he's made us citizens of his kingdom, and that he will hold us and he will keep us until he returns when he reigns forever and ever in the new Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to fully experience what it means to be a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. If you look forward to that day, you can put down your tools, you can stop building your own kingdom, You can come to Christ as Lord, you can hear his words, and you can do what he says. And so what does digging deep look like for you right now? What are your trials? What are your afflictions? What are your struggles? What are they showing about the nature of your kingdom? What does building strong foundations in Jesus' teachings look like for you? In Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Jesus himself says this to his disciples, and by extension, he says it to us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can keep laboring to build our own kingdoms. We can keep seeking teachers who are going to tell us what we want to hear. But all that does is add more burdens to us. It tells us we need to find our own meaning. We need to fashion our own identities. We need to build our own kingdoms. 
But in coming to Christ, we find rest for our weary, meaning-making, identity-fashioning, kingdom-building souls. Walking with Christ is easy. His burden is light because he's the authority. He gives meaning. He is the source of truth. He gives us new identity, and he is the Lord of his kingdom. He is the teacher who died for his students and welcomes us as upright citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll continue our time of worship together. Father God, we are thankful this morning that Jesus has come to us, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he made himself low. He walked among us. He lived with us. He lived for us in every way. Father, we're also amazed at the fact that he is the teacher who died for his students, that he stood in our place, that he took the flood of your wrath to wash us clean from our sins, to earn us salvation, to give us forgiveness, to justify us. And now, Father, we stand before you as those who have been made upright and holy because of Christ. And in that, Father, we trust that, that we will stand amidst the trials, afflictions that come to us. Father, help us, strengthen us, help us to dig deep into the truth of who you are and who we are. Would you give us a great desire for that, to set down our tools, to stop building our kingdoms, Father, but rather submit ourselves to the, 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 the teaching and the truth of Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Help us to come to him once more today. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.